know that. Most of us know that story. Am I right? You know that? We've all read it. We've all heard it. We've read it a million times, a thousand times if not. But the Lord has showed me something fresh. It only happens when you read something over and over and then one day. I don't know who's had that before. Oh, I never saw that. Boom. Okay, it's one of, it's one of those. So let's start off with verse, verse 11. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now the first thing that I want you to get this morning is that when we all make mistakes, okay? All the people that did not make a mistake the last week, you can get up and go home. <laughs> okay? So we all make mistakes. Am I right? So when we make mistakes, what happens? We get this emotion, this feeling that we're not good enough. We've done it again. Lord, I did it again. And I start singing Britney Spears. Man, oops, I did it again. <laughs> we all get that. And then, if we do not understand the heart of the Father, we become scared to go to Him. We feel inferior. We feel sinful, guilty to go to the Father. So if my boys, I've raised them, I said, this is the deal. If you've done something, come and tell me. You come and tell me, there's no hiding. You don't tell me. I find out. We're going to go clean you on the inside. Now, the bathroom is for cleaning. Okay? Outside in the bath, inside, outside the bath. Now, that's how we, we clean. The one is with the soap and the other is with a stick. You know? <laughs> or a belt. I don't know. Some guys use their heads. <laughs> All right. If we understand the heart of the Father when we stumble, when we make mistakes, we will run to Him. When we feel condemned, we feel inferior, we feel on the wrong side of the coin, we don't understand the heart of the Father. Scholar, you can put up for us Hebrews 4.16. I, I didn't give it to him beforehand. Hebrews 4.16. I want you to show you the heart of the Father. Can we just stop the music as well? Mute the, the, the channel for the clunk. For the music. There we go. Okay, and you can take that off. Otherwise, we're going to start singing again. I see everybody's itching to sing. Okay, we've got a challenge at the back. So Hebrews 4.16 says the following. It's not working today. I'll just read it from my Bible. Is that okay? Hebrews 4.16. It says the following. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we are in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So let us, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Okay? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. 
back in Moses' day, they built that whole temple thing. Remember that? Okay, and that, it was this tent, basically. Big tent with an outer court. The outer court, there was a, a metal bowl, brass bowl, where you would go wash your hands. And then from there, you would go to the altar to bring a sacrifice. And then you could go to the holy area, where there's the loaves of bread and the candle holder with the seven candles. And beyond that, there's a veil. Beyond that veil is the holiest of holies. And in the holiest of holies, there's the tabernacle. Okay, the ark, sorry, the ark of God. And in the ark, we've got the Ten Commandments, two stones. And we've got Moses, Aaron's rod that used to butt, even though it couldn't. And it had a lid. And on this lid, there were two angels. Thank you, I can't pronounce it. Thanks, Kay. I'm going to give her a mic. Kay, say that word for me. Okay, and these angels' wings touched. And the area between the two angels is called the mercy seat. It's called the mercy seat, where we could go to obtain mercy. See, and back then, the priest was allowed to go into that holiest of holies once a year. Okay. Rumor has it, no one can say if it's true or not, that there was a rope tied to his leg in case he drops dead. They pull him out. Okay? And he had little bells on his um, robe that used to ring. So as he walked, it would make a tingling, a tingling, a tingling, a tingling. No more tingling, no more priest. Track it down. They would pull him out. Because if you go in, guess what's going to happen? Dale ye langsom. Do you fall next to him? All right. Now, listen to the scripture. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need. You see, Hebrews 10 joins with this. If you go to Hebrews 10, verse 19 and 20, it joins up with this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, Boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Not the holy, the holiest. Okay, By a new and living way which He has consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. You see that veil, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil tore. So it gives us free access to go to God. When we make mistakes, okay, so when we become prodigal sheep, if we don't understand that, we lose our boldness. Now, maybe you're one of those people that make small mistakes. You know, you must make small mistakes. I'm one of those people that make big mistakes, okay? Because for me, if I'm going to be in trouble, I just might as well be in trouble all the way. <laughs> You follow? I never used to just bunk school. I would first go to school, show my face, have a cigarette in the bathroom, and then bunk school. You know, because you're going to be in trouble in any case. So you can just as well be in trouble good and solid. I don't know who can relate with that. Is anyone? I'm not going to do 130. If I'm going to be over the speed limit, I'm going to go, wah! <laughs> He's going to catch me now. But if I don't understand the heart of the Father, then I can't come to Him. I can't come to him 
with boldness to obtain that mercy, to go sit on that mercy seat. And this is not saying, oh, let me make mistakes, let me stuff up as much. It's when we, because we are going to, when we make a mistake, we can come to God with boldness and with liberty, obtain mercy. Now let's go back to Matthew. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, surely I say to you, he rejoices more over the sheep than the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it's not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I want you to see here, this is not a goat he's talking about. He's not talking about some other guy's sheep. He's talking about the Lord's sheep. So he's talking about you and I. You see, many times we read this and we look at the world out there and we think, oh, lost sheep, lost sheep. He's talking about the church. Are you okay? Must we put that down? Is that comfortable? Yeah. We're talking about the church, the sheep of God that can go astray. You see, somewhere in this, there's our hearts that can go astray, or a certain part of our hearts that go astray. And we sit in church, and we sing along, we clap hands, we make the right noises, and we pray. But there's a certain part of my heart that's either never come to the Lord or has gone astray. In Luke, we go to the prodigal son. I want you to just read the first part of that. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, give me my portion of goods that I will inherit. And he divided Unto him his portion, his living. And not many days after the son had gathered everything that he had that was given to him, he took a journey into a far country and wasted his substance with riotous living. He went and blew it. But what I want you to see here, this wasn't an outcast. This wasn't a slave. This was a son. The son of the, the story is about the father. You know that, hey? The story is not about the son. The story is about the father. But this was a son that had everything he needed. The same as the sheep. The sheep's got all the wool he needs, all the resources. He's, he's the sheep of the good shepherd that leads him where? To still waters and green pastures that are lack nothing. That sheep, that's that one that goes astray. This son knows he has everything. He's living in his dad's house. He's got the anointing. He's got the gifting. He's got the blessing. He's got the ability. He's got his inheritance. He's not a slave. This son, something in his heart turns. It turns away from the father. He says, give me my stuff. And he goes. Now you know the story. You know, at a certain time, after spending all that money, he came to his senses while he's eating big food. The first thing that I want you to know, the world out there will suck 
you dry. They will diminish the inheritance that you have. They will use it up for themselves. If I don't know my father's heart. You see, if you start loving people from your strength, you'll get tired like this. It'll take a month or two, then you're tired. You start loving the people with God's love, you don't get tired because it's, he doesn't run out. You understand that? We've got inheritance. You are co-heir. The Bible says you co-heir with Jesus Christ. There's an inheritance, not just in the year after. It's now. Ephesians says you are seated in heavenly places, blessed with all spiritual blessings. That's yours. But if my heart turns from God, I can sit in church. And I can be out there. I can be that sheep that's got everything I need, but I want the grass on the other side. What's lurking there? Ravenous wolves. The world will devour you. That's why the shepherd goes after the sheep. You've got two things here. This prodigal sheep, the, the sheep that goes out and gets himself into a place where he does not know how to come back to the Father. He doesn't have the capacity or the ability to go, come back to the Father. So the shepherd is a good shepherd and he goes and fetches that. And then he breaks his leg. And he puts him around his neck. And for the period, the duration of healing, he carries that sheep on his neck so that the sheep can get to know his voice. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. The prodigal son knows his way back. There's some, there's a place, he knows how to come back. So the father waits until the situation, life becomes so difficult that he comes to his senses and he comes back. And then the father meets him and puts a robe on him. Why does he put a robe on him? To cover his sin. He puts a ring on his finger. Why? To restore authority. And he puts shoes on his feet because slaves went barefoot. Children of God didn't go barefoot back in those days. See, but that son knew how to come back. The sheep didn't know how to come back. Sin will make you sick. You see, God came to save that which is lost. There might be a part of our hearts that is lost. It's just lost. It's out there. And we've either never surrendered to the Lord or something has happened. And we've turned our heart. A lot of people, you've heard people say this. I don't need to go to church to be saved. You've heard that. Do you know what that is? That is a heart that is turned. A heart that is hurt. Somewhere got hurt. And they don't know their way back. They don't know how to come back. They don't have the ability. The shepherds must go get them. So then we can say, can we be the 99 that goes and finds those people and bring them. Because you know them. They're in your life. Friends and family that have got so hurt. You see, and sometimes that hurt is because of unrealistic expectation. Unrealistic expectation will always lead to anger and disappointment. 
It will always lead there. And then there's the people that know how to come back. David, for instance, did not know how to come back to the Lord. Do you know that? His sickness, he became sick because of his sin. He looked at this girl, he took this girl, he became sick. He didn't know how to come back. It took a prophet to come to him and say, David, you that man. And then he, had, then he came to his senses. Then he repented. Now, when Nathan came to him, he wasn't very kind. He told him a little story, and David said, I'll kill that guy. He said, well, David, that's you. You done that, sir. You that <gasps> And he saw it. You see, sometimes we don't even see. We don't see. Because, you see, you'll find this. The world say, do it. Follow your heart. Do it. The heart is deceitful above all things. My heart and your heart will deceive you. It will deceive you. It will lead you astray. It's only the word of God that is a light unto my path. You see, so easily our hearts get turned. Now, some, most of you know this, but I'll tell you this story again because it fits in, in here. Gonzalo was far pregnant with Reuben. He's about to be born, I think, within the next, I don't know, month or two. I'm standing at work and I see a strange man and I go and ask him, sir, can I help you? And he puts a nine mil against my head. And he's banging that thing against my head. Now. And he's aggressive. And I'm, I'm backtracking and I'm calling out to the ladies that are working with me in the office. Say, put your handbags away, hide your phones, get underneath your desks. And they knowing me, they thought I'm joking until they saw me backtrack. And I come into their line of sight. And all those ladies just scuttle and they went down. Now I want to tell you something about a 9 mil or a weapon. It doesn't talk to you. It screams at you. And in that moment, I get a vision of how my son grows up without a father. And my heart tears. It tears. And... Eventually, the gentleman left and you asked us to open the gate for him. You comply. You know, open the gate. <laughs> so I carpeted for you too. <laughs> and he left. And, and I went, I did everything I knew what to do at that moment. I started speaking out loud, Father, I forgive him. Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I forgive him. I hold nothing against him. I bless him. Lord, I, I forgive him. Two weeks later, I find myself on the way from work to home, stop, buy myself some marijuana. I go stop at the, at the pub. I start, and I buy myself a packet of cigarettes. I'm no longer smoking, no longer drinking, and I haven't taken drugs for a very long time. And immediately, I'm back into that thing. And for the next six months, it, went, it became so terrible that my wife moved out. I had to go fetch her from my mother's house again. You know, she thought she was going to leave my house. Before she got there, I stopped there. I waited for her. See, I used to call. She said, no, no, I'm going to stay here. You need to sort yourself out. And in that place, I became angry at God. But I can't be angry at God because he's perfect. You see, I had an unrealistic expectation. 
I had an unrealistic expectation in my heart of what the Lord is supposed to do for me. You see, God never promises that no harm will come over you. God never promises you won't be in an armed robbery or in a hijacking. He says, though you go to the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. God's promises is never to leave you, never to forsake you. That's his promise. And even you put in that oven, he'll go with you in that oven. Does that make sense? This is, this, this is supposed to bring joy to our hearts. Is it supposed to be, something needs to break open in our hearts and say, really? Even though I might stray off, even though life might push me this way and that way, even though I'll become unfaithful, God remains faithful. Amen. Even though part of my heart might splinter off because I have an, some unrealistic expectation, God remains faithful. Now, in Pretoria, the people are very blessed. They've got a radio station there, Impact Radio. It only plays gospel. It's a, I just love the radio. You don't like the commentators so much. They're not that good. But, you know, if you want to be really critical. But the music is gospel all day, whole day long. But I became so angry with God, I put it on Yakaranda. Now, if you understand how much I hate Yakaranda, it's, it's, it's terrible. I put my radio, I put my Bible in the drawer. I just put it in the drawer, I closed the door, and that's, I left it there. Because I was angry at God. I want to show you how the shepherd works so that you and I can realize when, when we become that prodigal sheep, God knows to bring you back, Amen. to come and fetch you. You know, Don't be quite as daft as I am. And wait until life becomes so bad and so difficult before you come to your senses. Come to your senses now. Choose now. I'm coming home. I'm coming to my father. I'm not going to be the prodigal sheep. I'm going to come home because it's safe to come home. Obtain mercy. To come and sit on that mercy seat and say, Lord, here I am. And you know, it might have happened last night. Just last night, you might have had a fight with your missus, and you went to that place again. You're, I'm not going to ask who knows what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. When you go to that place again, where you lose the God in front of your mouth, okay? And you take out your sword, and you start stabbing with your words, and hurting and destroying. We've all been there. It might have been last night. Might have been on the way to church this morning. Straight off. My heart is not towards the Lord. My heart has gone to a different place. Because I need to protect myself. I need to vent myself. I need to stand up for myself. Rather than saying, my heart's towards you, Lord. Six months went past. Six months. And I can remember it was a Saturday morning. And I'm walking down the passage more or less next to the drawer where my Bible was lying inside. And the Lord said to me, are you calm now? Have you calmed down? Can we talk? That's all the Lord said to me. He waited six months. I was so angry. So angry. I said, why didn't you protect me? Well, you're still alive. You see, a lot of times people go through trauma in their life and they are shattered and broken. It's like, why did this happen? Why did... 
are you still alive? What more did you want? What more did you want? Oh, they robbed my house. They broke into my place. We had this trauma. We had that trauma. Are you still alive? Okay. Did he protect you? Yes. You see, but what happened in my heart is everything that I believed shattered because it was an unrealistic expectation I had of God. When I have unrealistic expectations of the Lord, I guarantee you've got unrealistic expectations of people, of your spouse, of your children, even of the pastor. We have to have the right expectation to live according to what he says. And then I went through a series of counseling, but I took my Bible that Saturday morning. And I, and, and, and I don't talk to the Lord like this anymore because I've got to know his heart a little bit more. I took my Bible out the drawer and I walked to the middle of the lounge and I threw it on the ground. And I said, what do you want me to do? Now, I don't refer to the Lord as you. I'd rather refer to him as sir. Father, your majesty, king, lord, but what do you want? My son talks to me like that, he must duck the backhand's coming. <laughs> All right? I don't talk to the Lord like that because I know his heart. And that morning the Lord said to me, open up the first scripture that I ever gave you. And the first time the Lord gave me scripture was about the 10th of August, 1999. It was Matthew 10, verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And I said, I don't need to read it, Lord. I know it. He says, no. Read it again. And it says, do not go the way of the Samaritans. Do not enter the city of the Gentiles. But rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the lost sheep of faith, and go preach the kingdom to them. And as you go, raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the sick. And right that morning, Lord says, see, you've been asking me 10 years long what you ought to do. I gave it the first time I met you. First time we spoke, first time I spoke from my word to you, I gave you your mandate, I gave you your calling, I gave you your message, I gave you the authority, the purpose, everything that I want you to do. You have gone astray. You are the prodigal son, you are the prodigal sheep. Everything that's been given to you, but you went that side. You wanted more. Give me my inheritance, but I want to spend it on what I want to. And the world sucked it up. That makes sense. God didn't get angry. He didn't shout at me. He didn't punish me. That's not how he deals. He didn't give me condemnation. I wasn't walking around, oh, I'm such a servant for the Lord. No, none of that. You see, when we know his voice, come. Come boldly. Come with enthusiasm. Come to me. Come to the throne of grace. Come sit on this mercy seat to obtain the mercy that you need, the grace that you need. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where your heart is at, whether it's the whole being or just a little bit. I don't, it doesn't matter what sin has got hold of you. 
It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter the mistake you made in the last week, month, year. It doesn't matter if there's this one thing that you just cannot get over in your life, whether it's been done to you or you have done it or done it to somebody. It does not matter. There is sufficient grace to cover that. And all we have to do is come with our heart. You can trust Him. He will never harm you. And He will never, ever disappoint you. And He will never, ever leave you. And you never. It is the safest place to run to. There's not a hiding waiting there. There's peace waiting there. There's mercy waiting there. I want you to close your eyes this morning. And I know this is very intimate and very personal. And, I, and I'm expecting, I've got this expectation in my heart that, that the joy of the Lord was touching people this morning. But I'm, I'm going to play you a song. Wait before you push play. I'm going to play you a song. And during that song, I want you to speak to the Lord where you are. And if you need prayer, we've got time. You can come forward and we want to pray with you. There's no obligation. There's no stress. There's no... You just, if you want to respond that way, you are more than welcome to come to the front. And to return your heart. And this is my, my, what I'm trusting the Lord for. The prayer that I have is that your heart... That you would make that decision this morning. To say, Lord, I want to bring my heart, my whole heart. Whether it's a return or whether it's the first time you do that. I want to bring my whole heart to you. I want to be a sheep amongst the 99. I want to be the son that sits on your lap. Thank you. Anytime you feel like coming forward, you're welcome. Eh? And I've been gone for a long time now A wanderer On this dusty road And I'm crying now I'm crying now for you, God To come to me And lead me home ready now I've changed my heart I'm running in into your arms
And I've been gone for a long time now. A wanderer on this dusty road, and I'm crying out. I'm crying out for you, God, to come to me and lead me home. I'm ready now. I've changed my heart. I'm running in tow into your arms. You meet me, Father, on this dusty road, and you come with the rain, and you come with the road, and you meet me, Father, on this dusty road, and you wipe away my tears and you lead me home and to me me father on this dusty road and you come with the reef and you come with the road and to me me And you lead me home And I believe Oh, I believe That you love me, God That you want me, God And I
so much for your presence. Lord, as we stand here this morning, and we realize that 